Here, I'll show you. This is like you don't care. I don't care as long as it's as long I as the audio sounds okay. I don't care what the waves look like. I honestly think yeah, I think I need to stop freaking out about the waves. Don't don't even look at the waves. Just look at what's rec- listen to how it sounds. And yeah. listen to when we recorded a little and you listened back, did it sound normal? It sounded normal-ish. What's normal-ish? Okay. What, what bothered you about how it sounded? The Seeing the waves. <laughs> <I'm gonna> kill you. It's just the waves. Who can... By the way, dear readers, I have to tell you... (laughs) Where where the day goes, only (laughs) Um, How's everyone doing on their New Year's resolution? Oh, you're checking in about that? I'm checking in on it. Rude. I'm doing it. As I told you, I'm decided against (laughs) drinking water for the year. Well, saves you time. Um, I so my resolution was to write more, and I joined a writers group. Yes, yeah, girlfriend. I did it. I joined a writers group, and I'm going to write a screenplay. And I'm telling all of our dear readers about this because they have to hold me accountable. <laughs> That's a lot for them. It's a lot. I don't know if it's going to be any good, but I'm going to write it. I'm in advance proud of you, and <laughs> I hope you fail. Thank you. Because I think you'll learn more from that. I do think you learn a lot from failure. But my life. What would a failure look like? Just your pencil breaking? Are you writing it with a pencil? No, Probably I'm writing not. it. The a reason pen. why it's on. Really brave, Carrie. Really brave. A pen. <laughs> Thank you. Do it. And I think that's what I do it for is the bravery of it all. Wait, are you using a computer? I'm using it. And you call yourself an artist. I know. I'm embarrassed. It's, a, it's also an app. It's a MacBook. Get out of here. I know. Well, the reason why I'm saying that is because it's on the lower part of my screen right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Are you just looking oh, at so it? You're not thinking I'm actually about, thinking about plot. You're like, multitasking. What about multitasking? I'm really you're like, thinking. What would that true. character say next? Exactly. Exactly right. Um, what would they say next, Quinn? Just they, like imagine, like imagine a character I wrote. Like, what, what would they say next? Oh, wait a minute. Am <laughs> I writing it? <laughs> yes. I'm on to you. What's so funny about it though is like, in writing it, I'm in this writers group with three dudes, which. Yeah, and because my my screenplay isn't for them. Do you know what I mean? It's all about periods. It's just period blood, period blood. It's a scene after scene of period blood. Totally. Um, the the production value is going to be pretty high just for the amount of <laughs> blood. blood we need. But it's really funny. I like I'm. Yeah, it's it's just a weird. It's it's a funny vibe. It's a funny vibe to be with like a bunch of dudes and be like, am I part of the problem? With these lack of women writers? No, I'm not. But am I? I don't know. We have, I just what cut all of You're part of the solution. What I'm saying is, is I'm writing. I'm We're writing. I'm proud of you. Thank you. What would Fleischman do? WWFD. <laughs> so I just got back from... Hawaii. Hawaii, we call it. Hawaii. No, come on. I'm not trying to Hilaria Baldwin the situation. <laughs> I'm not going to overplay my cards here. I don't know. I bet. Here's the thing. What the Hilaria Baldwin session would be if Cole was like, I'm Hawaiian and I'm from Hawaii. We gave him a Hawaiian fucking name. <laughs> We're on the edge. We're flirting with danger with this. And I definitely have been saying aloha to everyone after I got back. 
You've been doing Carrying. the thing where, like, when somebody comes back from me, like, yes, I just went to England, and when they talk about biscuits, and yeah. just, like, having a slight Madonna accent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay, so I, remember I told you that, like, in the gated community my parents lived in, that there was, like, a couple where the woman, like, did for hire, tried to for hire kill her husband? Do you remember that? It's like there's always drama when we go there in their amazing gated community. And the drama this time was really good. So I guess. Oh, I'm so excited. This family was on vacation elsewhere, not in Hawaii. I don't know why you would go on vacation if you live in Hawaii, by the way. Where do you go? Alaska? Just go to let's the go other snowshoeing. Let's go. Well, just go to a different island. Could you imagine so, though how great it would be to be like in cold weather with hot chocolate? Because you don't really eat hot chocolate, drink hot chocolate. No, in Hawaii. no, no, I don't like that. <laughs> so they were gone, and they got these notices that their alarm system was going off at their house. So they have a guard shack there. So they like called the guard shack and were like, check everything out. They checked everything out and were like, it seems fine. We think you're alarm systems malfunctioning maybe it was the guards maybe it was the alarm company i'm not clear on that but they went to check it out they said everything's fine and they're like we're actually going to turn off your alarm system because something about its malfunction it's going to keep going off and notifying us and notifying you we'll turn it off till you get home they got home this sounds suspect. a week or however long later and they were in their home the wife was in the kitchen and suddenly turned to see a guy sliding open their screened (gasps) doors from like the beach and just walking in like he owned the place she screamed he startled ran the husband ran after him and tackled him (gasps) (laughs) called the police and like tackled him but like did they tie him up like a citizen's arrest yeah i mean i don't know if they tied him up i don't know they like you have to stay here we're calling the police i have no idea i don't totally know the story except to know that what's creepy about it is just that someone was, was definitely just living in their home while they were gone. And this has happened to my mom. What? A little bit. <laughs> so my mom rents a condo in Hawaii and she makes the beds a certain way. And she knows if obviously if someone's renting it or not. Yeah. So she'll make the beds, make it how she likes it, leave. And then let's say no one rents it and it's been like a few days or a week and she goes back to do something. She noticed that the beds were made differently. How scary is that? Because it could be anyone that rented it from her. Do you know what I mean? Because they could have the keys still. So it could be anyone that rented from the past. She changed her locks. Yeah, she changed the locks. Now it's fine. But the other thing that happened to her at the house she lives in in Hawaii is that they got back from being gone Mm -hmm. and... They have um, a pool, and next to it is, like, a little outdoor bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that little outdoor bathroom, which is not secured because it's not in a house, it's yeah. kind of just open air next to the pool, there were these cute decorative knobs she had, and they were missing. Like, someone unscrewed them off the cabinet and took them. Like, they were worth something. They aren't. They're, like, glass knobs. They're just pretty. Um and inside the cabinet was like a half-eaten can of salsa, bag of chips, and thing of like booze. So someone was like, this is my little house. I oh. live in this bathroom while they were gone. Oh, just, that is like the most unsettling is just like being in your space. 
mean, it's your outdoor bathroom. I don't, I don't know, know if you I, can get super particular about it. I don't know it. if I told you this story, but I'll tell you along with our dear readers, because I think it was hap- it happened while you were gone. I work at a house um, that belongs to a person with more money than I do, and I just help manage the property when they're not there. Um, and occasionally they'll rent it out. You mm-hmm. know, it's just like, you know, for, you know, it's this big-ass building. And I guess at one point it was on Airbnb or something, and someone had seen it on Airbnb, took the pictures off, and were relisting it on Airbnb. Now, this Airbnb would go for $1,000 a night. It's a five-bedroom, three-story brownstone. They were charging $150 for one night for a five-bedroom, three-floor brownstone. And then Airbnb kept putting it up, and people would come to the house and we have like a ring alarm or whatever. And my boss, who is like the real manager, I just like, I'm the foot's on the feet on the ground. They were like, we rented this house out. And she's like, no, you didn't. And so we called Airbnb and it kept being reposted on Airbnb. What's the gig? Like, I don't understand the advantage. This person was like trying to rent the place out. And here's where it gets really fucking creepy. We were like, we had, we had these lock boxes, right? Where we had the key. Someone figured out what brand of lockbox that we use and were able to hack into it. And so we have an alarm system in there. All of a sudden, the alarm starts going off. Someone had found their way to hack into a lockbox, get the key, get in the space, in the fucking building, in the house. Luckily, I wasn't there. Luckily, like, nobody else was there. The alarm starts going off. This person was like, oh, yeah, I rented it. And they're like, oh, I thought this was too good of a deal to be true. It's like, yeah, it was on Valentine's Day. The guy was, like, doing a staycation thing. Poor Valentine. Poor Valentine. But also, like, we had to call the police. Like, all this stuff. Luckily, we have really great neighbor. They have really great neighbors. So, like, they were able to be helpful. But, like. That's so creepy. It's so creepy. I don't understand that they why that I don't person understand. thought they could get away with that. That's well, so also you, get, you also get paid, like, 24 hours after you stay. So, like, this person. And also what's really shitty is that Airbnb knew it was a fraudulent listing and didn't inform the other, the renters. So we were like, this is a fraudulent listing. They took it off the website, but they didn't inform the people that were booked into staying there. So people showed up at the fucking Airbnb. And then oh, I, I found feel bad out, for the people that rented it. I feel horrible for everyone. they were so excited. They were like, can you believe this what great, great place great we get to go stay? Yeah, no. So then I found out there was this other story of this like thing happening in France where this elderly couple's home was constantly being put on Airbnb. And throughout the year, people will show up at their house being like, we rented it here. And they're like, no, you didn't. And Airbnb like won't really help. Like so, cre- and the poor person who like thought they were renting this out. They and I was like, what if it was that person? Like I'm just amazed that like this lockbox was hacked into, and it was so funny because I'm innately just guilty existing. I had told my boss I was like, I just think it's important to note. I just want to say it wasn't me. I know you weren't asking, and she's like, oh, I never would think it was you. And I was like, I know, but I have access to it. I just want you to be like, I want to just say it right off the bat. bat. This I'm is a not- suspect. I. <laughs> Wouldn't you, wouldn't you be? Gary, I love that. That you're like, uh, I just want to make it perfectly clear I am a suspect in this and I don't want to be ignored. Well, it's so funny because I haven't met the people who own the house. I've met, you know, one, right, right, but anyway, right. I've, I haven't really met them and they don't know me. And so if there's these people being like, there's this one chick who has access to the house, is it her? It's like, no, no, no. I just feel like I should just say it's not me. 
it's not me. Oh, speaking of houses, you know that account I told you to follow that I love, mm-hmm. Zillow Gone Wild? So they posted um, this house that was, I don't know, like five and a half million dollars in Michigan or something. And it was so sterile and sad. Like these big Had a open... Uh, it was, no, it was like these big open ballroom style rooms with like a weird sad couch and TV in it. Oh, like it dark. looked like they spent all the dark, money. I love on, that. And like huge, huge wide open bedroom and like just the bed in a corner oh, and just so open dark. space. But it looked so sad, so cold, so creepy. And guess whose house it used to be? Michigan? That cancer doctor that wanted that made everybody fair, stay Dr. on. Doctor Fata Fati I think I just had a seizure. <laughs> the guy that wanted everybody to be on. Um, the guy that he wanted. It was that everybody had cancer. Yeah. It was his house. Isn't that creepy and <gasps> weird? Somebody commented that in the comments, and then I was looking, and everyone's like, "Yeah, that's true." It's like Fox I don't know if it's true. Like I read it in a comment on an Instagram post. It's true. It's fact. <laughs> if it's interesting, here's what. Okay, if you want to know how we true. do, yeah. If it's interesting, if it's true, if there's some doubt, we will still say it is true, but we will try to challenge it. Although you'll probably think it's true. You've got to believe it. And that's how we do our book reports here in this family. Disclaimer. Instagram research. <laughs> oh, yeah. All my stories full Instagrammed. I can't even. Ooh, what is his name? Look it up. No, it's like don't look Fata. it up. I don't care. It's like, anyway, he's a bad guy. So my sister Whitney was also in Hawaii while we were there. And I just have to tell you this because it's so good. She's on a run or something. And she texts me. Oh, my God, Quinn. I'm listening to a book, uh, audio book about this crazy thing that happened and it would be so good for the podcast you have to cover it and I said okay what is it she said well it was during Hurricane Sandy all these teenagers got stuck together at a amusement park and then they all murdered each other in really (laughs) crazy ways (laughs) I was like um Whitney I'm like are you sure that's not Lord of the Flies? A fiction book that you're listening to? And she's like, nope. It really happened. And, they and then, I just, then I just patiently waited for the following text to come in that were like, Quinn, I think you're right. I think this <laughs> this book is fiction. And I'm really, I really love that embarrassed. So <laughs> and I also I don't that. like the book as much. <laughs> I do just love the premise of it was during Hurricane Sandy. They got stuck in an amusement park and, and murdered each, each other in creative ways. <laughs> I just love it so the murder, much. The murdering each other is so, so I'm cool. sort of tempted so to just... The book. And because of our research standards, I wonder if I should just cover it as though it's fact. Do you fact. remember I said that I wanted to come in one day? That's what I should have done for last week's April Fool's joke, is I should have just done <laughs> just a done crazy a movie and been like, and that is actually the plot of the movie, Hereditary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Anyway, sorry for calling you out, Whitney, but that made my day. That's really good. I really, really like that. Oh, God. So, oh, the other thing I want to tell you. Mm. This is a fun little thing before we get started. Okay. And then we can dive in. my birthday's next week? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday. No, next episode is going to be... to you. This is the 9th. The next one is the 16th. My birthday is the 18th. I'll never forget. I'll never tell. So... 
Um, one of our favorite Patreon subscribers, Jamie, wrote me the craziest story that I love, and I hope she doesn't mind, but I'm going to share it. Yes. Um, so her dad passed away unexpectedly. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Jamie. Yeah, October in uh, oh. 2019. Oh, I'm so sorry. So his favorite artist was Bruce Springsteen. Bruce! Right? And this thing has been happening where where her mom will be listening to music in the car. It'll be like Taylor Swift or something. And it'll get like staticky weird and Bruce Springsteen will come on. Oh, I got the chills. In the middle of the song. It'll just start playing. and It'll be a different Bruce Springsteen song each time it's happening. So it doesn't feel like it's like, you know, and it'll make like a weird click noise and then go back into whatever the original song was she's listening to. I love that. And so she much. wrote me and told me that and I was just like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. Like, I love that story. I think it's so sweet. I think it's such an amazing thing to just say like, wherever I am, I'm okay and I love you and I'm like watching out for you. I just think those signs happen so fucking frequently. Like yeah. I, I, and I just think they're so beautiful. Whatever they are, they just provide such comfort and love. And I like, ugh, ugh, it makes me so happy. Yeah, absolutely love it. Well, do you want to? I think like I can't even believe. I can't even imagine losing someone in 2019 and then having this like 2020 in home. Oh, good call. I didn't even think of that. You're so right. Ugh. I hope we get out of this. Speaking of which, I should say I got my first dose of the vaccine. No brags. No brags. Brags. No brags. I didn't get any doses. You got no doses yet, but I was eligible because of some work that I do. I was eligible. And of course, I think like anyone, I feel really guilty about it. But yeah, you know Carrie, guys. <laughs> I can't help but feel guilty about it. <laughs> she feels so guilty. I feel so guilty. But uh, then I had all these people be like, if you're even remotely eligible, just go get it. And so I said, okay. Yeah, I'm glad you got it. That made me feel better. You need to protect me in my my face your beautiful family <laughs> my beautiful, beautiful face. family well this is cole won't stop fucking kissing me i know oh my god he was in the park the other day I love him so wearing much. his mask holding a stick and he turned to everyone in the park and he went all the women follow me all the men you go that way and pointed in a different direction and started marching into the woods and he kept talking. So he was trying to bring a bunch of women into the woods with him by themselves? Is he a friendly butler? What the fuck is he doing? Or is he a cult leader? Or is he like, is he a bad guy? He's all the women, all the women? He kept being like, women this way, this way. And I was like, he really, "Hmm." you know what? You shouldn't have shown him Titanic. (laughs) (laughs) Women and children fast. Women and children. Women and children. (laughs) He's like, mm, that's how it rolls. Ah. The things he's saying lately. He's you know so that he has a cute. friend that calls him. He has a friend at school, Claire, that calls him. That Cl- is the most normal name of the children at his Claire, school, for yeah. the record. If you heard the names of his, the people he goes to school with, I'm like, wow, could we get anywhere fucking Brooklyn? Like, it could <laughs> yeah. truly, I don't want to say their names for privacy reasons, but it's, Ocean. It, <laughs> <laughs> how about this? I'll only do the names that are street names ocean so this little girl claire that he's friends with um calls him uh koa constrictor oh i like her she's already doing nicknames yes he calls her claire constrictor (laughs) isn't that good (laughs) 
Claire Constrictor. I think he's missing the point so of the good. joke. I love ah, it. Claire Constrictor. She's like, that's not a She's thing. like, that's not funny. <laughs> what, would it, what would her thing be? He was at the beach trying to make Claire friends Bear? when we were in Hawaii. And oh, I bet he so was. He just goes up to kind of these bigger kids that are like five playing. And he just wants to make him laugh. So he's like dumping sand on himself and stuff. And I'm like, Koa, don't like, you know. He did tell me to shut my butt up today. <laughs> Turn your butt off. He said, turn your butt off. And I was like, ha. oh, he, it's a joke room. <laughs> so Fake he laugh. just started yelling at the kids, banana phone. <laughs> <laughs> and then being like, right? Right? And I was like, listen, I oh, think it's funny. It's funny. Go but on. you're doing the punch on. You got to do a setup. <laughs> that's his whole joke. I you don't butt- think that's funny? Banana phone? Banana Picture phone. Picture a banana that's also fun. That's hilarious. It doesn't need a setup. I, we got to teach him the one-two. We got to teach him. We got to <laughs> teach him to him one-two punch. Because the kid, listen, he's good at the... Turn your butt off. That's funny. Um, It's my turn to tell a story. Tell me. All right, this story. <laughs> By the way, you're listening to... Truly. Truly darkly. Greatly. I'm Quinlan Posner. And I'm Carrie Epima. And this is a story. I had a burp. Another mama stuff. I'm so sorry. What is this? <laughs> What is that? Okay. Carrie just picked up something in this room. Erase a-hole. It literally says it's erase a hole, but it says erase (laughs) a-hole. What is that? Turn off your butt. (laughs) The product. It says fills holes, cracks, and plaster drywall and wood. Apply white paint. Why is she carrying this with her? You never know what you might need. Race a-hole. Actually, this brings me to my story. (laughs) Great. That's great. This is actually the perfect segment to my story. Okay, so I got this information from Wikipedia, Mobile Instinct, which is a YouTube, uh, fuck, I don't know, Patch.com, Film Daily, Bustle, BuzzFeed Unsolved. Whoa. This sounds like it's going to be scary. Kind of. It's very dork-sided. Okay, so this takes place in Skidmore, Missouri, which is a really rural part of northwest Missouri. Why am I out of breath? (laughs) (laughs) Like, why are you marathoning your story? I literally was like, and then I got this. (laughs) Take a breather because of the erase ale. Erase ale. Um, Erase assholes. Turn your butt off. Okay, so. (laughs) All right, we're here, we're here. Okay, so this takes place in Skidmore, Missouri. Maybe I left because it's a-hole Skidmore. I mean, there's a whole thing here. Where anything I say is going to involve butts. It's rural northwest Missouri. Um, The population of this town, it's very teeny tiny. It's 437. I think today the population is like 260. Mm. We're back in 1981. This is like around this time. Like, like set the scene of like a really rural town, 1980s. So there's this guy, Ken Rex, Mac- Ken Rex McElroy. Cool name. Cool name. Bad guy, bad guy, bad guy. A little bit about him. He's born 1934. He comes from a family of tenant farmers. He came from pretty poor background, which I guess makes sense because it's 1934 and he's a farmer. And I assume because of the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl, that shit was like really probably it was really tough around then. Um, but he was the 15th of 16 children. Lots of kids. Um, he grew up pretty poor, impoverished. He left school at 15 years old while he was in eighth grade. 
I don't know how that math works out when you're mm-hmm. 15 years old in eighth grade, but it's most likely that this guy was... He's m- just a year behind. You're 15 your freshman year. You're 14 your freshman you're year. You're 14 into 15. But then you're 18 when you're... Mm-hmm. Eighth grade, third... <sighs> yeah, it's only a year behind. Don't knock it till you've tried it. His mom probably held him back a year. Um, I might do that with Koa. Maybe, but he just... Listen, 15, eighth grade, dropout. He also was illiterate. That's not possibly. Great. Don't illiterate. know how he got to the eighth grade. But listen, he had already been at 13 years old. He had already been involved with crime. The kid like was already building his rap sheet. Okay. He was a thief. Um, later on, he became a womanizer, which I will get into later. It is suspected that at one point, I only saw this in one place um, in BuzzFeed Unsolved, that there, that he was working in a steel mill and a steel slab hit him in the head. Apparently, again, this is not something that is, like, substantiated anywhere, but there's a possibility that I was causing some major head trauma. Fast forward to 1980s. Oh, my God. So he's going to be a serial killer. That's what that does to you every time. Every time. Not a serial killer, but we'll get to it. He basically, spoiler alert, this guy was a real piece of work. So in the 1970s, 80s, he's like 270 pounds. He's got like big sideburns. He's just a big, bulky man. And people were fucking afraid of him. He had 10 to 15 kids. I couldn't get the exact number, whether it was 10 or 15, so we're going to say it's somewhere in between, with different women. Some of the crimes that he was, um, that he did when he was younger was he stole livestock, he stole alcohol, antiques. Um, He was charged, I think on average, with three crimes a year. In total, he was charged 21 times for major crimes and escaped all but one. He had a really fucking good lawyer that apparently also worked for some mobsters in Kansas City, Missouri. He also had some money, and he had people that were loyal to him who would intimidate other people. He was oh, known... I wish I had that. You do, but this guy, no bueno. This guy was known as the town bully, where he would, like, someone was like, he wouldn't just beat you up on the street. He would put a shotgun in your face. Like, this guy was fucking fearless. Like, he would, think about it, he just charged 21 times... He got off 20 times. So he just doesn't the leave one time consequences. He got, no consequences whatsoever. The Makes only sense. time he was charged is the last time, and I will get to it. He intimidated people, obviously, which is how he got out of a lot of the crimes. He also, like I said, he had a great lawyer, but he also, like, burned down houses. He, at one point, there was a local preacher in Skidmore, Missouri, and he went up to him and he threatened him with a machine gun. Um... Here are some of the other crimes that he was he was charged with. And I'm going to say right now, I know you're innocent until proven guilty. But I got to tell you, I think this guy was just guilty. Okay. He, um, rape, theft, robbery, burglary, harassing, assaulting women, child molestation, arson, pig and cow theft, um, statutory rape. He threatened people. There was assault in there. He was also armed 9,900% of the time. I'd like to hear more about this pig and cow theft. I think it was since it was such a rural area, he would, like, just... It doesn't de- seem like it would be easy. No, but I think he, like, people were fucking afraid of him. Like, he would go on other... Cows, people. too? Cows, no. And that's He'd be, like, he right this control. way. They'd be, like, we're going. Pigs that way, cows this yeah, way. Yeah, he would, like, he sell... He, like, apparently had, like, a roll of a hundreds in his jacket pocket. Like, he was always just constantly loaded. Um, the, another thing that's worth noting is the nearest sheriff is, like... 15 miles or 20 minute ride away. Mm-hmm. So anytime there was some crime that happened, by the time the police came, 
Gone. Gone. Bye. And he was not afraid to shoot a police officer. Like, he was someone who would threaten people. In fact, there was the town marshal in their little town, Mm -hmm. right, who, like, helped sort of, I guess, be a liaison between the sheriff and this guy named David Dunbar. And apparently Ken came up to him and put a shotgun in his face. And this guy, the town marshal at the time, was like, you know what? I'm done. So he just fucking quit. Like, so this guy had no consequences. There was no recourse and there was no action. Um, like I said, he, he's been charged with rape and statutory rape. He liked girls aged 13 to 14. So not like he was a bad, bad man. He was accused of raping two women under 12 years old. But then they're he, not women, by the way, at that age. Right. But then he was sorry. Yeah, I should say <laughs> two women. To age nine, that was so bad. He was accused of raping two girls around 12 years old, um, but he would marry them so they couldn't testify against him. What are you talking about? He'd marry them. This was in the fucking 80s. He'd marry them. What do you mean? In the 80s, you could marry with permission of parents, I guess. A baby? A baby. A fucking baby. What the fuck is wrong with this country? A lot. Actually, to to answer answer your question, a lot. (laughs) Um, so, including, he met this uh, girl, Trina McLeod, when she was 12 years old. She was in eighth grade. Um, and at that time, he was with his second wife, Alice, another woman he met when she was a fucking child. Um, so, Trina went to live with him and his second wife, Alice. He got Trina fucking pregnant at 13, and she gave birth to a child at 14 years old. But he divorced Alice and married Trina so she wouldn't testify against him. Because if you're married, you don't te- you don't yeah, have yeah. to testify against your husband. Right. So it was confusing. This was his third wife at this time. And a lot of the marriages overlapped. So it was like, how legal fucking were they? 16 days after she gave birth, at 14 years old, Trina and Alice, his second wife, tried to escape his house. And they went to Trina's parents' place. Mm-hmm. And he figured it out. He tracked them down. He brought them back to his house. And then he went back to her parents, her mom and stepdad's house. And he lit their whole house on fire. And he shot their dog. Oh, shit. Until they were like, okay, you can marry her. <laughs> Until they are like, okay, you can have her. Like his, He fucking burned their home down. He was charged with arson and statutory rape. He was arrested and then released on bail. And then when Trina was in foster care with her new baby, right? She's 14 years old. Mm -hmm. They put her in foster care. Ken would fucking go to the foster home that she was at and he would sit outside and he would stalk the family. And he at one point told them, I'll trade you girl for girl. I know where your biological daughter goes to school and her bus route. And at that point, the foster family was like, I, 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 go. Oh, shit. This guy was impenetrable, and he used coercion and threats and stalking to get whatever the fuck he wanted. Ugh. He's a monster. After the arson, Trina was like, oh, it was faulty wiring, so he was not charged for the arson of her parents' home. Now, Trina, you'll find out, definitely, like, and I think his other wives have come to his defense I don't think they're credible defenses because I think they were children and I think they are victims of this man's manipulation and power. Um, Right? Like a lot of abuse is like they would make abuse claims and then they would take it back. Mm -hmm. Um, So one day he was hanging out 
on this guy Romain Henry's land. Romain Henry is like driving down the road of his own fucking property. And Ken Rex McElroy stops him in the middle of the street. And for some reason, I don't know what happened, but he was like, you're a lying son of a bitch. And he has a shotgun in his hand and he shoots Romain Henry in the stomach. And Romain Henry survives. So he's like, yeah, you shot him. My flesh was all on the side of the car. And then he shoots him in the neck. Wow. He survives. Do you want to know how? Yeah, I'd love to. Well, I don't know how he survives, but also he gets arrested. He survives. I actually don't know. I think it's just a shotgun and they're like, I mean, Dick Cheney shot someone in the face. So I feel like maybe that's, I don't know how dangerous they are. Shotguns seem really dangerous. <laughs> they seem really dangerous. Like but you're underplaying this. I mean, I'm not underplaying it. This guy got shot in the tummy and in the neck and survived. And then when they arrested Ken, there was a trial and two of his buddies testified that he was with them oh, hunting. Oh, shut up. And he completely got off. Unbelievable. He got off. Romain, this he is shot, absurd. He fucking shot this guy, Romain, on his own property. Point blank rage. In his stomach and neck. Romain Henry's alive. Saw him do it. He got off. Nuts. And he, the, his lawyer, the defense attorney, got Romain Henry to admit that he lied about some petty crimes that he had committed. So he made him like less of a desirable victim. And so he, the case was thrown out. Oh. So another example... Or another, oh my God, I'm tired. That food took it out of me. I'm going to be honest with you. (laughs) Then there was this other guy in town, Ernest Bo Bowenkamp, and he owned a grocery store. And this guy is like 70 years old. Again, it's a really small town. And one of Trina's and um, Ken's kids go into the grocery store. And apparently they like took some candy or something and... The owner saw them was like, hey, put that candy back. Basically, what happened was is the grocery, someone, a clerk, excuse me, a clerk at the grocery store accused this one of their kids of stealing candy. This did not go over well with Ken McElroy. He did not appreciate his daughters being wrongfully accused. So he went back over and he started yelling. And I guess Trina also came and started yelling at the clerk. And it got to the point where like, Ken just started stalking the Bowen Camp grocery store, especially Bo Bowen Camp, the owner of the grocery store. And the whole town knew this guy was a menace. Obviously, it's a mm-hmm. town of like five people. If one person got shot and all these kids are getting raped, chances are the town fucking knows about it. So what they did is they created like a secret system where if somebody was like sent their kid over to buy paper towels, he'd be like, ah he's in a bad mood, shut them down, shut down the police and like shut down the grocery store and go home. Like there was like signals that the town was sending to each other when um, Ken McElroy was back in town and was in a menacing mood. Wow. So they like, everybody knew this guy was fucking problematic. Problematic. He was evil. Also, Ken McElroy would also just fully stalk the Bowen Camp family, would stalk his kids, would stalk the people working there. He just would sit outside their house and watch them until the wee hours of the night from his car. Just, like, sit and watch with his gun. And clearly this guy isn't afraid to shoot people. No. So one night he goes to the back of the grocery store, Ken McElroy, and um, Bowen Camp is sitting there, I guess, waiting for an AC repairman. And Ken comes up to him and is like, I don't appreciate what you've been saying and puts a shotgun in Bo's face. 
And Bo is sitting there and he goes, is he going to shoot me or is he bluffing? He thought, just in case. And he moved his head and that's when Ken shot him. He grazed by his face and hit him in the neck. He miraculously survives. Oh. But just because he was blink. like, trust your fucking blink. Because in the this blink of a blink, even a blink, you might this lose is your blinkers. Like, you're going to lose your blink blinks. <laughs> So he just moves, gets hit in the neck, survives. But this is another reason why Ken is arrested. He's charged with attempted murder. Um, and of course, throughout this time, he's released on bond or bail or whatever. And he starts intimidating the Bowen Camp family more. Um, and this is where, and so they have to keep, they sort keep letting this guy out. They should have a higher bail, I think. Mm-hmm. But he had an incredible attorney because this guy had a lot of money because he stole right. he stole a lot of livestock and shit. So... Then he kept, because he was, like, making appeals and shit, he, he knew how to delay the case. So he delayed the trial until June 25th, 1981. The prosecutor that was trying the case suddenly just up and quit. And people believe it was because he was threatening the prosecutor. And the prosecutor was like, I'm fucking out of here. I'm done with right. this. So this new younger prosecutor comes in who was, like, barely on the job as a prosecutor. And he did the one thing that, like, no one else could fucking do. He convicted him of a crime. However, not of attempted murder. He convicted him of second-degree attempt to cause physical injury. Okay. Not murder. Just physical injury. He had to it's settle for meant a lower... to think that he wanted to injure a guy by blowing a hole in yeah, his head with a shotgun? Yeah, just putting a gun in his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> okay. was just to cause bodily harm, not well, as you murder. said, Carrie, shotguns rarely harm anyone. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. You're absolutely correct. They rarely, honestly, shotguns are safe. Give them to your kids. Second Amendment, baby. Um, Use them as part of your next Halloween costume. <laughs> so fun. And Why not? a real one. Honestly, don't be a chump. Um, so this carried a two-year sentence. That was it. So because he found a way to appeal it, he was let out on bond again. Oh, my God. So he's fucking back home in Skidmore, Missouri, and people are like, holy shit, no one's fucking helping us. Like, this is not good. He he said, after he was convicted in the court of law, he said, after being arrested for 53 felonies, this is his first conviction, and he was like, I've been dealing with crime since I was 13 years old, and I'm almost 50. I'm not serving any time. Like, he was, like, in court, he says this to the judge. So, again... Like I said, he's known as the town bully. And I feel like that's, like, that's actually a, really a little gentle light. terminology. A, I agree with you. How about you. the town pedophile? How about the town pedophile? The town murderer killer, would be appropriate. Satan. Evil man. Incarnate. Um, Truly, all of them. So this happened. So his, his sentence happened. So the trial happened June 25th. It's July 10th, 1981. The whole town is like, we're fucking, we've lost faith in the criminal justice system law enforcement doesn't help us our lives are in danger what the fuck are we going to do so the whole town aka about 60 of them got together at the um, american legion hall Mm -hmm. and all of them were together including the sheriff and the mayor Mm -hmm. and they were discussing what to do because the system failed them because they knew who he was and what he would do again and there's nothing that was going to stop him so they're sitting there and you're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? There was talk of like a neighborhood watch situation. I don't know what that's going to do. Maybe they need to get a birdie, you know, get some right. siren. 
finally, rumors started spreading that him and Trina, his wife at the time, um, were at the D&G Tavern, which was like a local bar nearby. This town is tiny, 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 tiny. Got it. So the sheriff drives out of town. Sheriff Estes leaves. So all of them go. Some of them go into the D&G Tavern and see him drink and wait till he's finished. He grabs like a six, Ken grabs a six pack of beer and it leaves. At this point, all 60 people or around 60 people are sitting outside watching him and him and his wife get in his car. He lights up a cigarette. He starts the car. All of a sudden, shots are fired from behind the car. We don't know if there are one or three shooters. There are definitely two, at least two bullet casings from different guns. He is shot two times in the back of the head. And he I love is that killed. You just said we don't know if there's one or three shooters. Like well, the, we know there's not two. Well, there could be one, two, three shooters. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three <laughs> shooters. There's one or three shooters. We don't know which one. No middle ground. No middle ground on that one. I'm telling the story really badly, aren't I? I'm loving it. <laughs> he shot two times in the back of the head. He's dead. And no one will tell who it was, right? Exactly. Fucking love it. No one calls an ambulance. His car, his leg, somebody took his wife and took her to a nearby bank away from the situation. Nobody called an ambulance. The whole town just walked the fuck away. By the time the police get there, it's completely empty. His car is still running because he started the car to light a cigarette. When he died... His leg slipped and he hit the accelerator, but it was in park, so his car was just going. It was revving this whole time. Uh-huh. The whole town, gone. No one will tell them who it was. There are 60, there are between 30 and 60 witnesses of this crime. Trina is the only person who will talk, but the, the hit but came she doesn't from her. Know. She has no idea. The question is, was it planned at that American Legion Hall meeting? Or was it just a spur-of-the-moment opportunity that they took? Oh. The sheriff left town, which I think is pretty damning. I that's, think that's really interesting that the sheriff fucking left. Happen. I think it happened in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. Like, daytime. It was like noon. And everybody, whoever did it, they're just like, thank you. Thank you for your service. They're like, I'm out. Yeah. Now... Kind of a nice story in that way. I mean, it's Everyone pretty, had to stick together. Teamwork to make the dream work. It's actually, like, why I wanted to talk to your dad about it. Because I was like, I'm so curious. Because, like... He's not into vigilante justice. I know he's not into vigilante justice. Spoiler alert on the upcoming. But, like, this guy got off time and time and time again. It's not... It sounds like it, he deserved it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm for it. Let the so, record state. I just love I'm it. not going to tell who it was, even if they email us at trulydarklycrudely.gmail.com. Or if they visit our website and learn about something new. I, no one, call, I have 60 witnesses. Not one person called an ambulance and they just walked home. And to this day, no one knows what the fuck happened except that he was shot. Cheryl Bowenkamp, the daughter of Bo Bowenkamp, his last victim, said, once the shroud of silence fell, there was going to be no more talking. They could have pushed and dug, pushed and dug, and gotten nothing. 
We were so bitter and angry at the law letting us down that it came down to somebody taking matters into their own hand. No one has an idea what a nightmare we lived. Another one of his daughters says, We went everywhere we could, but justice would stay delicately out of the way. Looking back, the justice system had as much to do with killing Ken McElroy as anyone in Skidmore did. Because if he had just gone to jail, he wouldn't have died. Mm-hmm. There's only one suspect in the crime. It's this guy, Del Clement, who was the owner of the DNG Tavern. Um, but no charges were ever pressed because it was just Trina who was like, I think it was that guy. And he maintained his innocence until his death in 2009. He denied it his whole life. And they couldn't but prove Trina, it. But they couldn't prove it. And no one else was going to out anyone else in town. Um, the FBI investigated, but no one was ever indicted for the murder, as I said. Trina then filed a $16 million wrongful death suit against the town of Skidmore, the sheriff, like, everyone. She, like, went for it. They settled Poor Trina. For... She's so um, brainwashed. She she really... It's sad. Honey, you I mean, could have a better she life. She was 12. She was 12 when she met this person. I mean, he's essentially she started... all she's known. Exactly. Yeah. $6 million wrongful death suit settled for $17,600. I'm not mad at that. Give Trina some money. Who cares? Give her some money. She did leave town, and she ended up being getting remarried, where she lived until she died of cancer in 2012. Also, I think you're all wondering, but after his death, the pig and cow thefts also went down. So, amen. Amen. So we know it was him who was stealing pig <laughs> and cows. Um, there are some movies, if you wanted. There's the movie In Broad Daylight with Brian Dennehy and Marcia Gay Harden. Oh, would a love book to. of the same name, In Broad Daylight. And there are some documentaries about this. But was it planned or was it impulsive? I like to think planned. I like to think impulsive. And they were all kind of like, mm-hmm. we were all thinking it. Okay. Thanks for doing it. And then they left. I like to think they argued at the meeting where some people were like, no, absolutely not. And some people were like, we must. It's the only way to. And then when they all were there in person and someone did it. It was like... What I just can't imagine, honestly, is like the 60 people that were in the meeting, they go over to the bar and some of them just sit there and like watch him as he finishes drinking. And this guy was packing heat all the time. Like he was constantly, he had guns, he was armed all the time. Mm -hmm. And everybody just watching him. And then as he's leaving, everybody just follows out and surrounds this car. It's like zombie vibes. (laughs) It feels so crazy in daylight. Yeah. I mean, I, and the thing is, is that no one, like Trina was completely safe. She was totally fine. She was in the passenger side of the car. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe it was planned because the fact that somebody had to be behind them, which was smart and have good aim. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but no one. Thank God they a, used a real gun and not a shotgun. Totally. Absolutely. They must Absol- have meant business. <laughs> Guys, guns are bad. I didn't mean that shotguns were child's play. All okay. I know is that if there are two, there are two people that were shot in that story, and neither of them died, but then both of them had shotgun wounds. Which there is something to be said. No, Quinn is looking so skeptically. You know what? Who knows? Could be. Who knows? Could it be? It's a crazy yes, story. I'm glad he got his comeuppance, quite frankly. Right? If I'm I mean, honest. The fact they that he... They already said it. The fact that he, like, liked 13 to 14-year-old girls, I was like, eh, we're done. 
13 or 14 sounds like it was on the older side for yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, I was recently in Hawaii, and this okay. story takes place. In Hawaii? In Hawaii on the Big Island. <sighs> now, here's the thing about it. Actually, this story was suggested to me by Patreon subscriber and pro tennis player Donna. She said I should yes. do this story. Yes. And thanks, Donna. Thanks, Donna. You were right. And here I am doing it. You're doing it. You're doing it. So I got my information from the New York Daily News, Hawaii News Now, Hawaii Tribune Herald, Hawaii Innocence Project, Honolulu Civil Beat, and the Star Advertiser. Okay. All right. Sure. Um, we're going to go to 1991. Follow me there, if you will. I went to Put 81, on a scrunchie the and clothes. let's go. Yeah, tie-dye. Peace tie-dye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was cool. <laughs> um, we're on the Big Island, as I said, and it's the afternoon of Christmas Eve. So a call comes into uh, the Hawaii County Police Department, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody says reports that there's been some sort of accident where a car hit a bike. They believe that that's what happened anyway. They came, they didn't see the accident, but they came upon the bike. And it's really fucking, it's on the side of the road, twisted up, mangled to shit. And nearby on the ground, um, there's a watch with a ripped wristband. There's a just a single tennis shoe that's still tied. There's a chunk of some blonde hair. There's no person. Just this bike. There are tire tracks of a vehicle. And when the police come upon these tire tracks, one thing that strikes them as very strange about them is it doesn't look like they're skidding out of control at all. Where it was like, oh, lost control, hit the bike. It looks like they're driving very deliberately. Does that make sense? Yeah, they're not seeing a panic. It's just like it's a... We're not seeing an accident. We're seeing an on purpose. Right. Um, Except the opposite. (laughs) Cole and I are working on opposites. We're not seeing an accident. We're seeing an on purpose. Ah, yes, I'm familiar. An on purpose. I'll write that one down. Right, right, right. Yes, yes, yes. Put it in the report, Sammy. Um, (laughs) So around the same time the police are arriving on the scene of this on purpose thing... Um, a 56-year-old woman named Ida is in Pune on a walk, and she hears a voice calling, help me, while she's on her walk. So she fucking is like, where's that coming from? Starts to walk sort of down this rocky path that she thinks the voice is coming from. Go see some bushes and finds a fucking woman in these bushes. She's 23 years old. She's blonde, blue eyes. Missing a shoe? She's fucking probably missing a shoe. She's beautiful, but Ida can't even tell that because this woman has been beat to shit. She's covered in blood. No. So Ida's never phoned. She's just out on this walk. It's 1991. It's 1991. Who has a fucking car phone when they're on a walk? Ida's carrying a fax machine. (laughs) No. No, No, you guys. Guys, don't. Guys, that wasn't funny, guys. That's not funny. So Ida runs to the road and fucking flags down a car, right? To yeah. help. Yeah. 
Now, this part I'm a little dodgy on, and I don't want to misrepresent what happened or make any false accusations. But my understanding is that it took a very, very long time for an ambulance to both get there and to take this victim to Hilo Hospital. We're talking three hours for all that to happen. It's not good. Not a good good if you're like a very, it's not good if it's an emergency. Well, it it really was. I mean, her head had a wound that was like, you could see her skull. We're talking like she had a shattered pelvis. She has just, and she's just beaten up. Like she has cuts all over. She's, she's been raped. There's a bite mark on her breast. So she dies. Um, no. At 12.07 a.m. on Christmas, right after midnight no. on Christmas, from massive blood loss. Which, when you hear that, oh, it was from massive blood loss, you think, I don't know. I went back to this three-hour thing and was like, I wonder if, oh, it just bummed me because I, I read that it was because of this, and I quote, series of mishaps that it took so long. And you're like, series of mishaps? Can we explore what are what these series mishaps? of mishaps? Well, the woman that died, uh, her name is Dana Ireland. And on that afternoon uh, of Christmas Eve, she had uh, headed out on her mountain bike to go to a friend's house that was a few miles away in Opihikio. Uh, all right, let's try it. Opihikio. I'm saying it like you're going to confirm or deny. <laughs> if there's somebody who's been to Hawaii more than I have... It's, it's you. me. Look in a mirror. <laughs> um, so she was going uh, to this town because her friend lived there. She wanted to invite him over for Christmas Eve dinner. Like, do you want to come back with me and have dinner with my family? Her sister's in town. Her older sister, Sandy, who's 13 years older, and then her dad, John, her mom, Louise, they're all in town. Her sister, Sandy, had moved to Hawaii when Dana was in kindergarten. So Dana stayed on the mainland she got a degree in physical education, but that fall, she's flying to Hawaii to spend time with her big sister. She's, like, kind of deciding what to do with her life. She's thinking about joining the Peace Corps. She might want to go to college. Big Island. The Big Island is the island of Hawaii. Thank you. Because you call said it the she, Big she, Island. She, but Dana grew up in Hawaii in Big Island? No. And, oh, wait, that's what I think you just said. Maybe clarify. Dana grew up where in, this, in, the, in the States? Dana grew up in Virginia. Gotcha. Thank you. Anyway, what's going on is Dana's deciding what to do with her life. Is she going to join the Peace Corps? Is she going to go to college? She comes to visit her sister in Hawaii, and the parents are like, we'll come too for Christmas. We're all going to celebrate Christmas together. Louise is in the kitchen. They have a rental. She's preparing a fucking turkey dinner and gets a call about Dana. Oh, that's so family. The family doesn't know what to do. Um, They start to work with crime victim support groups in Hawaii and in Virginia. They don't know what to do. There's no witnesses. One thing, though, is that some people start to come forward saying, I guess I kind of remember this or this. And the story that's coming together is that there was a fat shirtless man that somebody saw. It looked like he was putting a person in the back of a green pickup truck. And a lot of people that saw this guy said, um, Actually, I saw a tan van in the area. A lot of people say it looked like there was a kid with him, like a 13, maybe like a young teenager kid. Wow. So, like, that was her mountain bike that they found on the side of the road. Yes. But it doesn't, it looks like it was possibly staged. 
No, what it looks like is somebody hit her on purpose with a car. It looks like she was biking on the side of the road and somebody saw her and it wasn't, oh no, an accident. Now I'm covering it up. It was there she they threw her in the back of a van or a pickup truck. And how far away sorry. Because she would have been seen on the side of the road. How far away And they raped her. So they whoever did this raped her and then threw her in a bush. So Dana's family hires a PI. What you do. That's what you do. Um Three years go by, and they still haven't arrested anybody. The police are doing that thing where they're like, we better fucking arrest somebody. This is looking really bad. It's a fucking island. Like, we have to figure this out. Yeah. Limited number of people to look at. They get a tip to look into this guy, Frank Pauline Jr., who they actually already kind of had on their radar because he's like a known bad guy. Mm Mm-hmm. His criminal past starts early at age 10 for burglary. So he was on the radar. At the time they start looking at him, it's now 1994, right? And he's already in jail for the lovely trifecta of rape, sexual assault, and robbery. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. He's got a family that's uh, generally in jail. His his brother, uh, John Gonsalves, and some other members of the family are facing drug charges. So he tells police... That he was a part of the attack and that he did this with Albert Ian Schweitzer, who was 20 years old at the time, and Schweitzer's brother, Sean, who was 16 years old at the time. Uh, Oh, my God. Just some background on who they are. The Pauline family lives across the street from the Schweitzer family, and they actually have, like, what I read, they don't get along. Mm -hmm. They're not friends. It's been a long time. It's a Montague Capulet situation. Gotcha. Uh, So Pauline right away is like, look, look, uh, I'm not close to the Schweitzers, but they did pick me up that day in their Volkswagen bug. Uh, And we were all smoking cocaine on the side of the road. Smoking cocaine? Sure. You can smoke cocaine. Can you smoke cocaine? I don't know if you'd know more than I would. (laughs) (laughs) I've never smoked cocaine, but I know that you can. Isn't that crack? Isn't smoking cocaine just crack? Um, but I don't think it changes but don't what they the drug crack, is. But don't they say crack cocaine? I, I think that's a different, you know, we're going to have to do research, but I think that's a... Re- us doing research? Quinn, you're getting Next too week's far topic, ahead. crack, crack cocaine. cocaine. So they're smoking cocaine on the side of the road. They see Dana. They jump in the car, which is this VW I mentioned. It's purple. And... Ian is driving it. Uh, They pass her, and then Ian turns around and goes back and speeds up. And Pauline says, then I just felt like we went over a speed bump after that. And we went over her twice. We went over her, and we reversed over her. And uh, then Ian got out and grabbed her and just threw her in the truck. And we took her to this area where there was all these junked cars. Oh, God. And we... Ian raped her. No. And then Ian told me, hit her hit her with this pipe and, like, handed me a, a tire iron and I hit her with it. That's his uh, story. Okay? Uh, now, the things that support this story are that there was a dented bumper on this car that they were meant to have been driving, this purple bug. Um, there was a blonde hair in the trunk. Mm-hmm. And there's a t-shirt with blood on it that they think might belong to Pauline. 
But Pauline's story also is inconsistent with a few things that they know. But they're excited to get this take on it because they want to put somebody away. And in, in exchange for telling them this story, Pauline gets to make some extra calls while he's in jail to his girlfriend. They're also like, you are going to get a better housing deal in prison. You're going to get some extra visitation. They're incentivizing this story. They're like, oh, and, you know, maybe we can look after your brother and get him a good deal on this drug thing. Jesus. Um, so if you if you cooperate, Pauline, there's a pretty long list of Is perks. Is Pauline a boy or a girl? Your way. A boy. Thank his you. name, his last name is Pauline, and it might be Pauline. I mean, it's spelled Pauline. Okay. So that's why I'm saying it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but was like, you know what? You never know. I just didn't know if we were talking boy, because it sounded like a girl, you know? Seems frank. Years go by. Clues keep kind of emerging. Every time a new clue comes up, they just don't really seem to go with Frank Pauline's story. But because they don't go with it, they're then a little bit dismissed. Because they've got that case-closed vibe. Right. Where they're like, oh, this doesn't go with the story he told. And yet it feels so good to have people in jail for this horrible thing. Yeah. Um, the bite marks that I told you about on her breast, those don't match any of those three guys. Hmm. Uh, Sean, Ian, or Frank. The DNA and semen found on her body. Doesn't match. Those don't match any of those three guys. Uh, they run it through CODIS, of course, and there's never been a match. Then Frank, Pauline, even goes back and says, I, I got to actually recant my confession. I really only made that, as you well might have guessed, to get my brother a good deal on the drugs thing. But they're like, nah, it, it doesn't matter that you're taking it back. And in July 1999, there's a trial. One of the important witnesses in this trial is a guy named Shane Kobayashi. He's 25 years old. He's a friend of Frank Pauline's. Uh, Kobayashi goes on the witness stand and says, oh, yeah, the three of these guys were at a beach park. And she, Dana Ireland, was also there. This was shortly before she was attacked. And the guys I was with, these three guys, they definitely noticed her. They made mention of her being hot or whatever, her looks. Um, and then they left in the same direction as her. And they didn't come to a, a party or a gathering that was later that night. So he's saying, like, yes, this all lined up. He's a guy that Kobayashi's not a clean record guy either. He was convicted of sexual assault in 1995. I can't imagine any of these guys who these people hang out with to have a clean record. He had served three years of a 10-year prison sentence in exchange for this testimony. Because he's cooperating, right? So he had 10 years to serve and they were like... Why are we incentivizing false It's so odd. So I understand. I actually understand why we're doing that, but it's also like, wait, it gets worse. People you know are those seeing Schweizer this. brothers, young kids at the time, twenty and sixteen, whole life ahead of them. By the way, they both have alibis, and for some reason, I read neither one was brought up at trial. What? <laughs> Who are these lawyers that are not uh, doing their job? Yeah, That's a great question. Honestly, great cue, great cue, great cue. Oh, this is even crazier. Ready for this? Mm -hmm. You know the the purple bug. Yeah. That Ian was driving. It was actually purchased two months after the crime occurred. <laughs> so while it could have been the vehicle, it was not his at the time. Definitely oh, not. Oh, okay. 
somehow, despite all this, Frank Pauline is uh, found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. Pa- Frank Paulina is? Yeah. From his fake confession? Yes. Ian Schweitzer, he has a trial in February of 2000 that ends in a guilty verdict life sentence. Sean, because he's so young, he was 16 at the time, and he has a clean uh, record, no priors or anything. Miraculously, he gets yeah. a plea deal and gets five years probation. But his brother's going away for life, Ian. Do you think of those Frank's guys... going away for life. Do you think those guys, they threw the book at them because they had been in for priors? I don't fucking know. I think they just wanted to close the case and that as right. soon as they had a way to close it, a story, they didn't have anything else. Right. Flash forward 13 years. Remember that witness I just told you about that got that deal? Kobayashi? Yeah. yeah. This is just random, but I have to tell it because as I was researching this case, I was like, What? Why? I don't even know you. <laughs> uh, Shane Kobayashi, 38 years old, gets reported missing from his home in De- December of 2012. They find his body like a month later, January 18th. It's near um, an ATV trail park near Stainback Highway in Hilo. And he's so badly decomposed, they, like, figure it out because of dental, right? The cause for his death, though, unknown. They don't make any arrests. They don't know who did it. Ready for this sidebar? The reason they found his body is they were out there looking for another murder victim's body, a different guy entirely. This guy, Dante Peter Gilman, who's this alcoholic that lives on Hilo and keeps getting drunk and bragging to people that he has money buried on his land. And so people keep doing burglaries. He gets upset, gets a camera system installed on his land. And on December 28th, a guy goes to the property with his cousin and they shoot him and strangle him. And it's all on video because these ding-dongs stole the cameras but they didn't steal the hard drive that was recording it as it happened <laughs> so then they're I like i actually love that though oh, yeah God. stupid I'm, I'm i like when criminals get caught because they're just fucking stupid so the police are like we got to go look for this dead body where, where they put this guy gilman and while they're doing that they're like ah shane kobayashi you were reported missing a month ago and here's your dead body Hawaii, you are crazy. Hawaii is you crazy. You are acting like Florida. <laughs> Stop. Just Stop be with Hawaii. the of Florida and be Hawaii. That's wild, right? So two years after uh, Shane Kobayashi's body's found, now we're in 2015, for those of you paying attention. And I was paying attention. I was about to say it's 2015. Doing God's work. Thank you. Math. Um, Pauline is murdered in the New Mexico prison he's in. What? And at this time, Ian is obviously also incarcerated because he's serving a life sentence. Here's what happened that's interesting. That week that Pauline is killed, on a Sunday, the Tribune Herald breaks a story that says, listen, Hawaii's Innocence Project is taking Ian's case. They're going to campaign for him to get a new trial. There's right. a bunch of evidence that say this kid did not do this. Did not kill Dana. That happens on Sunday that they break that news. Pauline is Monday, killed. Frank Pauline's fucking murdered in prison. That's... He would have been a key witness. A lawyer. In his defense or his? Uh, in his defense. Because Frank would have looked up and said, I lied. Yeah. 
he wasn't there. And they're going on this story I made up that I made up to get my brother a good deal. But he's killed, so now he can't be part of exonerating Ian. So this lawyer for the Hawaii Innocence Project, Brooke Hart, this is a quote from her. I don't know what the circumstances were at the New Mexico prison, but it's an extraordinary coincidence that within one day of the publication of the article, a key witness is dead. So there's this other guy in prison, Daniel Thomas Hood. He's serving time for first and second degree murder. He says, I did it. I hit Frank Pauline in the head with a rock. And they're like, okay, but why? And he says, well, because he was a snitch. And you know what? He walked around like he owned the place. Uh, remember the Pauline's brother that mm-hmm. was trying to get the deal? Yeah. John. John's like, this is a cover up. Uh, that's my brother wouldn't have behaved that way. He wasn't going to be walking around. Maybe it was a snitch, but he wasn't going to walk around like he owned the place if he was. I think this is somebody hit him. This was a hired hit and this was a cover up. Yeah. Um, so a criminal complaint charging hood actually does name a second suspect. So you know how they record your calls in prison? Yeah. There was a guy, an inmate at this prison with Frank Pauline, who made a call to a woman, and they know, because they have it on tape, that he's asking this woman to do a Google search for Frank Pauline. Then he calls her again, and he says, what were you able to find out? And she tells him, well, Pauline, he also has charges for murdering and raping a 23-year-old female. And he says to the woman calling him, the charges are bad. So he knew that Pauline didn't do it. And he's calling and having this weird conversation with her. Why is he talking about this guy? Is it just like they became friends uh, playing curious. chess in the jail yard? And he's like, I kind of want to know what he's in for because uh, we're getting to be close. Like, but he said just, the charges are bad. The charges are bad. So Pauline probably told him that. I don't think he's like doing detective work on his own in prison. Or he knows who actually did it. Something, something. Here's the thing. That's all I know about that. I can't figure out what that guy's name is, who he is. But they're like, did he kill Frank Pauline? Does he know something? God. It's impossible to look at this case and not think the person that did this is still free. So there's this guy, Mike Heavy. Here we are 30 years after the murder. And Mike Heavy is a former Washington state legislator Mm -hmm. and superior court judge. He spent years proclaiming Amanda Knox's innocence. He got obsessed with that and was like telling everybody she's innocent, she's innocent. And after that, and how crazy that whole thing was, yeah. please listen to the last episode. He f- founds this thing, Judges for Justice. Okay? Okay. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. He knows about the Dana Ireland case because Hawaii's Innocent Project attorneys came to him at one point because he has Judges for Justice. And they were like, can we talk to you about this? We want your expertise. But then they decide not to work with him. I don't know why. But he, in talking to Hawaii Innocence Project, got to know Dana Ireland's case. And now he's become personally invested. So he's like, I want to know who did this. I want to know who the killer is. I want to exonerate Ian as well. Because Ian is like the only remaining alive one? Right. Well, Sean's alive, but Sean got five years probation. Right. So this guy, Mike Heavy has this hour-long video he makes where he talks about all his theories and about how the Schweitzer brothers are innocent and he offers $10,000 to anybody who can help 
uh, with evidence that will mm-hmm. help prove their innocence. Um, so I guess I know our next out of date part time gig. Come up. No, no, it's what you and I are going to be oh, doing yeah, with yeah, our yeah. time. Well, we I don't know. Money. We have a lot of Patreon subscribers, so I don't know if I could really. Honestly, if I got ten thousand dollars, I'd be afraid to claim the taxes. You know what I mean? I just right, 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 right. Um, he says in the video, though, look, some of this evidence is faulty. Uh, the DNA that we, I again, the didn't match the defendant. that they were like, there's a blonde hair in the oh, trunk. So and, they, and they didn't get the car until two months after the fact. So ridiculous. And what Heavy's hoping they'll do is they'll do like they did with the Golden State Killer. That they'll, because the DNA was not in CODIS, remember? Yeah. That they'll hopefully be able to mine um, those websites and trace back. Right. And try to figure out, is somebody related to the killer? Wow. The fact that he's not in CODIS, it's very interesting, right? Right. The video also says um, that there were three witnesses that say that they saw a large man with dark skin that was with a young boy at the scene of this crash. And that they thought they saw a person with white legs get put in the back of a pickup truck. That would have been Dana, in other yeah. words. Yeah. Um, these witnesses did not testify at trial. He talks a lot about FBI profiling and how a lot of the time perpetrators are familiar with their victims. So he likes that this person knew Dana somehow. Oh, interesting. And knew her um, routine, maybe, or knew she was going on this bike ride. Um, but she didn't live there. Or she was he there thinks for... it's some kind of peeping Tom situation, though, where, like, somebody saw her, saw a chance to assault her and took it. I don't know. I'm less inclined to believe that this was a... Because I'm less inclined to believe that because I think there would be a way less public way to abduct someone than on a bike in the side of the road. It's not a great plan, but it did fucking work. Yeah. Um, He says, this is a quote, there's a deviant, angry, rapist killer out there who still walks the land. Oh. He needs to be captured. And once he's captured, it'll be clear those three men are innocent and they will be exonerated. What's interesting is, I guess, Judges for Justice and Hawaii Innocent Project don't get along. Uh, There's some sort of tension there for sure, which seems unfortunate because they have the same goals in mind. They do the same goals, but I I guarantee you that the Innocence Project is probably not looking kindly on judges in general. And I don't think they liked this video. All I know is Mike Heavy's, like, acknowledged that um, the Hawaii Innocence Project has asked him to cease and desist many times and he said i can't promise to do that um but you know i'm rooting for both of them frankly i I hope one of them finds out what happened and i just my heart goes out to dana and her family like this is just because you want speedy results doesn't mean that uh, do it slow do it right do it fucking right just do it right so and now it's been so long 30 years. It's been so long. Um, and this person this got time. away with it. I really think they did. I really I don't think, think they did. got away. I bet they're in jail. I bet honestly. No, because they would know from CODIS. Because once they ran their DNA. Oh, is, J- is anyone in jail has their DNA? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. I think so. Is that I'm pretty like, sure. Is that, is that lawful search though? Like, I think it, it probably depends what crime you're in jail for. Right. I'm just... I think it's someone that got away so. with it, and I think they're still on island. Don't go. Don't. By the way, I'm coming. Jordan and I decided we're going to come next year with come. you guys. You're welcome to join. Really? Okay. The more the merrier. Say that, 
and we'll see what you say next year, but we're, we're coming. I was like, Jordan, we got to go to Hawaii. She's like, oh yeah, I'm going next year. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go too. Get a ticket. I'm getting a fucking ticket. We're going. Larry Posner would love nothing more. <laughs> he loves a party. <laughs> we have a party every night. Raydell, not so much. <laughs> she would really rather you didn't. But if you do, if you must... I would buy dinner. Then please just make her dinner every night so yeah. I don't have to. Oh, yeah. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'll get dinner. I'll get wine. We'll be have a great time. My mom and I both were commiserating about how it's like you go through a phase early in life where it's like fun to cook, where you're like learning to cook and you're like interested in cooking. And then you have kids and you're like, really? Dinner again? Didn't we just fucking do this? I've just been feeling that way recently with dishes. I was like, Really? There, it's full again. Oh, you know what I had today? Hmm. Uh, Lucky Charms. <laughs> you did? I bought a box of Lucky Charms. And I'm not going to feel sad They're about it. They're magically delicious. And it's St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So, I know we said that last or episode. Or is it April Fool's Day? We don't know. It's we pretty don't know. confusing. We don't know. Whatever. Oh, my God. I need to get out of this chair, I think. Okay. Well, here's all I ask. Dear readers... I noticed that some of you went and gave us reviews on Apple, and Ugh. I just appreciate that Love so much. Love you guys much. so much for that. But I also noticed some of you didn't. And Quinn does keep tabs. By the way, we should. And I know off. which one of you didn't. We, and you know and you which know. one of you did. You know who you are. And I'm not going to call you out because that's not. I'm not going to do you dirty on a podcast. I wouldn't that's do that to you. To by fifty people, <laughs> fifty to sixty people. <laughs> What I'm saying is, is I'm coming to Hawaii. I will make dinner. We will drink wine. We'll have sushi. We will You don't drink wine in Hawaii, girl. What do you drink? You gotta drink a cocktail. It's a sunset vibes. Oh, what's your cock? What was your cocktail? I made some Mai Tais, some genuine Mai Tais, not too sweet. The real deal. Wow. And I made, I would buy Lilikoi for, uh... Those who aren't uh, a Hilaria Baldwin Hawaiian as I am. That's passion fruit. I would buy passion fruit juice, mix it with some vodka, and it was a delicious treat. Um, by the way, do you want to hear the creepiest thing I did while you were gone? Yes. There was a day that you went on a date with Matt mm-hmm. on the social media, mm-hmm. and you had this flight of Mai Tais. Yes. So I saw where you were, and I went, and I stalked it, and I looked at the menu, <laughs> which I thought you would be proud of. Yeah, because I like that. who doesn't love it? But those Mai Tais looked they were so fucking good. Were you toasty after them? Oh, totally. It was Ugh. in the middle of the day, too. So I had like a Mai Tai buzz. We saw a spinner dolphin in the distance. Ugh. It was, listen, if you're never going to date your husband again and you're going to go on like one date in a three year span, this was the date. It was really nice. Did you have a really we good time? We had a time? great time. Ugh. Yeah. I was like, this is great. And then we went home and it was like afternoon and I was like, this sucks. Like I'm a little drunk. I have to like deal with my kids. (laughs) You were like getting that like sugar hangover coming in hot. Yeah. Like, ooh. So tired that night. Didn't want to make dinner. Like it was, yeah, you know. Wait, I'm just, just imagining, as good as it gets. But I'm also imagining next year when I am there and Frida and Jordan and Bix and how much fun we're gonna have and I'm just gonna babysit. Oh, you're excited for that? Well, I'd be in Hawaii. Then you know what? Come on by. Come by anytime, (laughs) Carrie. You're excited to babysit? You're welcome. At this point, I'm excited for any human interaction. Let's be honest. I get it. I get it. All right, dear readers, we love you. We'll see you next week. Mahalo. Shut up. (laughs) 